Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. Today, we've got a fabulous show. We're going to be talking about corporate culture and how to deal with remote workers. Our guest today is Mark Mori, and he is with a company called A Connected Leader. And he is a corporate culture expert who's been working with clients dealing with remote leaders and culture for the last year. It's going to be a great show. Uh, before we get going, I just want to acknowledge my friends at the C-Suite and how much I appreciate the C-Suite for all of their support of this show. So Mark, um, just to start off with a softball question, um, pandemic, what has changed and what hasn't changed in the mm -hmm. pandemic in terms of corporate culture? I think the obvious things that have changed is we have a lot more complexity if we look at uh, moving the workplace to the kitchen table or the dining room table, remote learning from kids coming home from school. My daughter's home from college. She's in the next room. Um, people are losing their jobs. These are all uh, crises that people are facing. I also think what's changed is we're, we're in the middle of a mental health crisis and we're not necessarily talking about it. What hasn't changed is the preconditions for those um, concerns. I think children have become more and more isolated. Employees have been demonstrating feeling isolated at work. So I think we have an opportunity in this tension that we can start to work on the things that were unspoken about because now it's obvious. I love that. <laughs> I love that. and. Um, I do think we have a mental health issue at work. And I do think that maybe that was already starting. And this, this is just, this is just literally highlighted it. Mm -hmm. From what I have read, people are predicting that 25% of all the jobs that are being done remotely now uh, will stay remote after the pandemic is over. Do you think that's correct? And do you think that remote working is a good or bad thing for corporate culture? Hmm. Well, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of talk about this. You know, the, the big flashy headline is people are not returning to work. That's just not going to happen. Whole company are like, you know what? This is less expensive. People are moving out of the cities. I mean, the Bay Area people are happy to leave the city because they can do their work somewhere else. Then there's this kind of counter thing of like, and they're taking away your, your stipend for living in an expensive city. But young people are reconciling, you know, the next workforce wave, the millennial generation, they're, they're reconciling having a life with having an employment. And so they're not so unhappy with this idea. You know, the whole idea of being a a traveling working person in the Central America with their laptop, that's kind of all they've needed and they want to design their life around that. So I think, I think in the long arc that people should prepare for more remote work as a huge part of their workforce. I think, I think you're right. So let's get to the heart of the culture thing. Mm -hmm. um, to me, 
it's very important that people have a sense of belonging in a company that, you know, mm-hmm. it's not literally family, but it has a feel of family. It's comfortable. Um, and a lot of that happens because you develop relationships with the people sitting in the desk next in the office next to you or the cube next to you. You know, they, I, I don't think the water fountain has existed in years, but <laughs> you know, the trip to, 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 uh, to fill up with coffee or get yourself a glass of water. Um, but that doesn't really, you know, that doesn't happen when people are working in their homes. How do you, how do you create a sense of belonging and how do you create strong culture, uh, with remote workers? Yeah, I, I, I might dare to say that I'm not sure belonging was happening for people in the workplace. And the reason why I'm saying that is because of the initiative that I created during the beginning of the pandemic was my approach to creating community in general. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But one of the comments of the, of the people in the course was, um, you know, I, I go to work every day and I'm realizing now I've learned more about my coworkers through this remote course with you than I have in the 10 years I've worked there. Why is that? Yeah, we'd have these fun hat days or we'd go down into the lobby of our building and we would spend time mingling with people. But this is this is outpaced that already in five days. So she was basically saying, you know, company culture might look like it's being facilitated, but the true aspects of what human beings need to connect and thrive is was not present. That's that's a really interesting insight um, that may be more superficial than people really thought. Um, and the training that you're doing sounds interesting. So tell us a little bit about that training. I think people, this is training on leash. So people love to hear about training. What kind of training did you do that would yeah. create that kind of culture? Yeah. So the, I think I'm drawing from three major areas that inform the, the instruments that I use, the tools and things. Um, and I can offer tips from this place. But the, the bigger locations are human development and uh, cross-cultural understanding of how human connection is a, an essential part of survival. So uh, there's, a, there's a backstory to anthropological and social cultural connection work I've done that's informed me on that. And also the idea of living systems and deep nature connection how the ecological living world works. I'm drawing from those three areas um, when I, you know, design things for coworkers. So in this case, um, I created a course that worked on with three instruments. One was gratitude. And that is about really building the intentionality. I consider gratitude an instrument of leadership, meaning you have to actually no matter how you're feeling, you have to bring your will towards what do I want to acknowledge that I am interdependent with or dependent on. It's a, from my perspective, it's not an acknowledgement, like an appreciation, or I'm thankful for you. It's a um, voluntary act of humility, gratitude. And what happens in that moment is a greater sense of meaning, but also a vulnerability gets revealed. So I've introduced this to certain co, you know, working situations and, and people said, I don't know if we want to do that. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting b- barometer. 
you know, on my, and from my perspective, gratitude is actually fairly global when it comes to culture practices. You can, it, you'd be hard pressed to find a tradition somewhere that doesn't have that. But if your workplace doesn't do that, what is that saying? So that's, that's one of the main instruments we worked with that we could say. Talk I, I more totally about agree with you that people, gratitude is a key part of work and that I, I sort of use this five to one rule that uh-huh. people ought to hear five things of gratitude or positive reinforcement for every constructive uh, because then they are more open when someone realizes someone else actually gets how important they are. Hmm. So I, I vary with you on the gratitude part. And it's, I jokingly ask people, uh, what's your ratio? I, I recommend at least five to one. And, and I get people to go, well, I'm 20 to one. Unfortunately, it's the other way. <laughs> <laughs> 20 criticisms for every like pat on the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really want to underline this idea that you know, I'm not thinking of gratitude as a positive feedback appreciation tool. Um, I think there is work to do in that area around how do you honor people. Um, this is about creating a open conversation around what I personally am grateful for. And what it does is it invites meaning into the workplace, into the relationship. And so it sounds something more like, um, you know, I'm grateful that I have a job. I'm grateful I have a place to live, that my, my child is healthy, given all of the things that are going on here, and that I have some real relationships that are showing up for me during this time. So what happens there? You probably even just get a sense in this moment, like we just some wider bandwidth just opened up between you and I besides what we're struggling with at work as a task. That's what creates a meaningful culture. And when it gets embedded in a number of core routines, let's say the beginning of meetings or larger conferences or um, you know one-on-ones, it becomes it becomes like oh I like my workplace because I'm doing this three or four times a day, based on all the different things I'm bumping into, because I get in touch with something that's important to me. And the other person returns the the gratitude for something that they're thankful for and dependent on. Very interesting. So what, you know, if you have to give people advice about incorporating culture of virtual people into the overall organization, what advice would you give? Hmm. Well, it may, it may seem like a stretch but I think the, the bar should be set at slowing down might be a way of speeding up. In that if we can slow down and really meet the person that we're with, that they have a life, that they have complexity, that they're f- not caught up with themselves. This is something I've heard is a big complaint that managers are not aware that their employees are not caught up with all of the difficulties because they're basically keep getting knocked off center constantly. And the expectation of the management or maybe the lack of development of the management is not um, empathetic or 
even paying attention to that. So slowing down and asking how people are doing and creating routines of listening and deep listening is a form of mental wellness that can take place. I think that's a very important thing to include in a virtual environment. You know, Mark, what you say, and I think this is interesting, is the disconnect between management and workers is huge. And uh, we at, at Tortal, we do a thing called a, a curriculum design event where we bring in people to design a curriculum. We look at, we create a job role, you know, like a, like a customer journey, but a, an employee journey. And we insist that frontline workers that are actually doing the work participate. And it's just eye-opening for management to not understand the realities of the job. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's, a hu- it's a huge disconnect. Huge. Um, and so I'm gonna dig deeper on listening because I remember when I read your, your bio and the write-up that you do, you know, listening is like a really key thing for you. And I, I'm a big believer of listening to the listening, deep listening. Uh, so you know, maybe share some secrets of being a good listener. Sure. Well, one of the, I think, keys is having a framework. You know, I can be sensitive without any kind of framework of of what nuance is happening for the person there, what signals they might be sending me. But having a framework allows for um, checking my own cognitive bias or even a sleepness. So one thing I've been working on with management and leaders is around the paradigm of evolving capacity as opposed to being like a reactive leader or an automatic leader hoping things return to normal. Um, This is the paradigm of entering into a conversation where the outcome is gonna be growth and development for both you and I as a starting point. Having a framework for the conversation, like a map, is a massive tool for staying awake with your employees. So this is not a rut conversation, you know, habitual one. It's one where live stuff is happening. Real stuff is happening in this conversation. Self-awareness and new, new. Uh, I won't even say feedback, but kind of contribution or expression from the employee. They're like, oh, I never, I had no idea. So questions that are open-ended that follow a frame of, what is what happened? What is happening? So depending on what the conversation's about, you're trying to understand what their life is like in some scenario. It could have been a meeting or it could be at home. But you you're want to start to see the image in your mind before you start thinking about what you're going to say. Do I see what they're talking about? And if not, stick with it and say, can you give me an example? Stick with it and say, say more about that. Okay, now I'm starting to see. Now, once you see the picture in your mind, then you ask another question around, so that aspect of the story, you know, what is that telling you about what you need to do next? And what that do, what that's doing there is it's engaging them in, in movement of how to assess a situation and then make a strategy towards something. And then the third question, from there, you know, sometimes it's a correlation question, like, you know, what is this telling me I need to assess or understand about the interaction in the environment, what's going on there? The third question is a 
it's a metacognitive lesson. And I frame it usually as what is that teaching you? That if you could distill down this whole interaction that we just discussed, and you could create a nugget of learning for yourself, a one-liner even, like, you know, the more I put into something, the, the more I get out of it might be the one-liner, but the person themselves, like they can transfer that to a new situation now. So there's a principle of regeneration here in the leadership development, because we can always learn in a moment, but can we metacognitively learn so that we can apply it in a new situation? So that's a kind of framework and a dialogue of deep listening where the, the employee or maybe the managers of managers are really building the capacity for them to know and understand themselves, so, which creates meaning and learning and fulfillment. So Mark, that was beautiful. I mean, I, first off for me, and I study listening and I'm really big into deep listening and, and such, the idea of creating a picture in your mind mentally and then breaking into pieces and better understanding those pieces, very powerful. Awesome. So I, I, wanna, I wanna compliment you for that, for that insight. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Wanna find out more? Just go to tortal.net. That's T O R T A L, tortal.net. I'm going to shift this back to culture in the virtual world because that's sort of how we presented this, this conversation. Mm -hmm. I always, by the way, love diverting because what you just shared on communication was so great. So that was good. Um, you know, the one thing I'm hearing from you. I'm going to use this term as deliberate, mm -hmm. right? So you you talked about starting a conversation with somebody sort of with an outline of what you wanted to learn so that you would ask the right questions. And, and I'm just assuming without having pre-thought about your outline, you're less likely to, to go deep because you're not, you know, you're not prepared. Um, so I'm assuming there's pre-planning and thinking about culture um, not, not for, you know, I, have, I joke, by the way, and say every, every company has culture. It's a question of whether you created it or it just happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's best to create. So um, a company has, you know, for the first time, virtual workers, people working in the workplace. Um, and, you know, let's let's make an assumption which we know is not fundamentally correct. And that is the company already has a good culture. Okay, and, and when I say not fundamentally correct, some companies do. Most companies, they have a culture, they just haven't developed it, right? But let's just make in my question, the assumption that they have a good culture and now they wanna think about how they bring in that virtual team into the culture. What? How would, what were your, what are your thoughts on this? And in this scenario, is, is the virtual team a, a subgroup or are we talking about a hundred percent because it's COVID? No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about a subgroup. Let's, let's just say for the sake of argument for this discussion, it's 25% of your workplace mm -hmm. um, is now remote. 75% isn't mm -hmm. remote. 
-hmm. There may or may not be issues of, hey, I want to be remote, but they wouldn't let me be remote. Why does Mark get to be remote? Mm -hmm. Those issues could exist. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, uh, you know, it's, these are tough scenarios to kind of build, but, I, but I'm trying to give you the context uh, that I think many companies are, are, are facing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of a, of a conversation I had with somebody at SAP years ago, and there was a decent chunk of remote workers, but also there's international workers who aren't technically remote, but they're living in a remote space from the headquarters, you know, jobs overseas and things. Um, and there is a, um, you know, there is a bias uh, at the headquarters or the people who are on site that excludes or doesn't appreciate from the perspective what the remote work life might be like. And I think that is something that's coming into awareness in workplaces now through other DEI initiatives, that there's a dominant view of reality, right? And then there's one that's marginalized. So there's an opportunity here for understanding that kind of bias, first of all. So bias training is going to come in one way or the other. So I think that's some, that's capacity building that could happen on the non-remote worker side. Um, they're not less than people. These are human beings on the other side of the monitor. So how do we move into that level of empathy? So from a cultural perspective, how, how do you design for um, that contribution to be at equity? or at, at a level of equality of other people, because you might get left out of a decision. You might find things out because of you're mediated by technology. Who scheduled this meeting? How did I know this happened? Oh, it happened in this conversation. Remote workers aren't, don't have that ability. It's difficult to schedule meetings constantly through technology. So I think design, like you said, uh, how do we have line workers design with executives or managers? You should have remote workers design workplace routines and decision-making routines in your, on your teams so that you understand the difference that they're coming from. Mm. So that's, you know, in, including them at the design level so that your workflow your, is, in, you have that diversity perspective. I think that makes sense. The other part from, instead of a strategy perspective, from a, a leadership or human development perspective, um, including these connection routines where you may not have the informal time. I heard a manager complaining to me that I don't have my walk around anymore. This is really difficult in COVID. I, I, don't, I have no idea how to do this. And, you know, this mind's eye, you know, imagination is what I was referring to before. This is what we call the mind's eye imagination is an active ability to connect with the person through the internet. You have to really ask, what is it that is important to them? What do they care about? What are their dynamics? And you design that into your meetings. The other thing is, you know, I've been working with another company around one-on-one -on -one, um, leadership development conversations. So you have to have a check-in with your management at some point. So go on a virtual walk with them. They get on their headset, you get on your headset, you both go on a walk. There's kind of a level playing field that takes place. It's not HQ and remote anymore. You're both outdoors in your locations. You're both moving your body. And of course you have an agenda, you know, 
what's the content of how their performance has been, but also what's their life like, you know, and you, and when you flatten things like that, I think you build a really great cultural um, invitation to, to say, I love where I'm working because they take the time to do these things with me to, to create a level playing field. So that's, that's a really specific strategy. It may not work in all scenarios, but that's an example of how I would think about it. it. it, it it's really cool actually, because when, uh, my company, by the way, right now, has been seven years virtual, nothing to do with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we have very deliberate culture and, you know, we get used to it. But when I used to work in a workplace, um, I would do walks all the time. Let's go for a quick walk. And because a lot of times I find that conversation and commun- communication is perfunctual. The mm-hmm. question, here's my question. I got your answer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, I want to have an opportunity to have a more meaningful dialogue and go deeper. And when you're out for a walk, and I also used to take people to lunches and things like that, it, there was just more time to really get into a conversation. So I'm going to start that idea. I, I yeah, I want to hear how that goes. I yeah, want to hear how that goes. Someone, hey, let's just go for a walk. You know, it's yeah. interesting. I you. I haven't done this in a while, and I guess because it's winter. But when it wasn't winter, I would go with with virtual walks with my wife, where we, you know, both put in our ear pods and and mm-hmm. uh, AirPods, and and she'd be in one place, I'd be in one place, and we'd be walking and we'd be talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why not do it with coworkers? So I heard a I heard a lot of really good things from what you just said. So I mean, here are kind of the highlights that I I gathered is you need to be deliberate. And you need to bring in all parties into in, into the process. Um, you need to think about the issue of non-inclusion of virtual people, and that how easy that could be, and how you need to be really deliberate to make sure that you're including everyone that needs to be included, virtual or not, and that you need to think about the social part of the work relationship. And I love the example of, of a, a person that used to do walk arounds. How do I now do a walk around? How do I now connect? Um, and, you know, your whole thing, I can't remember the term you used, but the, the mind's eye, was that the term you used? Yeah, mind's eye imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really cool term. So unfortunately, uh, we are out of time, so we need to get to the end, but this is the good part. Um, From what I can tell in talking to Mark, if you are looking to be deliberate about having a powerful culture and including virtual people, he would be a great person to talk with. Who are your other clients? Who are the, you know, if people are interested in reaching out to you, who are the people that you want to call? Who are the people that are the, the good fit? I mean, I'm sure you like to hear from anybody who's a nice person, but who are the people that you think that your work would best support? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, managers of managers is key because okay. the core aspect of my work has to do with what I was speaking before around regeneration. Often leaders that, that I work with, they have a capacity. They, they're in their position of, of authority and budget for a reason. But they're in the, in the transfer to the next level of management, they're not able to reconcile that 
skill building for their management. They're, they're, they're frustrated that others aren't performing like they are and they don't have time. They're restricted. There's other restraints. So it really helps to bring in somebody like myself, who's really been studying this process because ultimately they want their management to have the same level of capacity that they do for self-development, for building rapport, but things run away. The pandemic is, is making that painfully obvious when it was pre-existing. Cool. So um, I know you have an offer and I would love to hear about it. And also for people just listening, in addition to your offer, how people can connect with you. Sure. Um, there's two things I want to tell you about. One is, you know, if, if you have the ability to create a project for your team, you know, we can do a, a three hour introduction to this work, being a connected leader, using these instruments, creating culture in times of the pandemic. So call me, you can go to my website, a connectedleader.com. Um, the other is I wanna send you to um, a page that I created for this Fortune 100 company that I developed this project for. Uh, it's five days, it's free, free course, and um, you can put whole teams in there simultaneously from all over. And they're gonna experience these walk and talks, they're gonna experience a relationship between nature, relationship gratitude, include journaling. And uh, this is this is the this is the piece that that the woman who told me earlier, this is the best thing I ever did as, as a company training in my life. I've never gotten to know my coworkers before like I have now in five days. So how can we do more of this? So we ended up designing a long-term engagement, but this is a, this is a great immersion. So it's called Thrive on Demand. And it's got that intentional, you know, purposefulness that we're talking about. How do I thrive? Which means to, you know, develop vigorously well. Um, so there's a link. Um, yeah, there's going to be com slash for, for people that have a description, there will be a link. For people that don't have a description, yeah. And so you know, like if you're listening on iTunes or iHeart or okay. something of that nature, yeah. Uh, why don't you share your website again, and then mm -hmm. uh, and then information on the sure. UR. I assume they go to your website and then look for Thrive. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you can just you also just Google Thrive Mark Mori. That that's the yeah. only one that'll come up. Thrive and Mark Mori. And, and spell Mori for, for people. M yeah, M-O-R-E-Y. Perfect. Yeah. And the website's a connected leader, a connectedleader.com. And there's an article on there. Uh, if you just want to do some background reading of how I came to this that talks about the role nature connection plays during all of this as a core human wellness routine. Um, so there's a lot of research in there. You could submit that to somebody who you had to convince this is a good idea, but it, it gives the background to, to thrive. That's great. Okay, Mark, as you well know, and as my listeners for sure know, we always end if you had one tip. So what would your one tip be? My one tip would be uh, give permission to be human. Ooh, I like that. Tell us more. Why did you, what, what does that mean? Okay. I guess it's, it's more of a one-liner. Yeah. How you might do it might be different from somebody else. So there's some room there for you to be unique. But the idea is that we're not getting anywhere faster by being transactional. 
to extract as much as I can in this moment to be as work task oriented. We're not getting somewhere faster. There is something called the speed of trust that requires slowing down and connecting and seeing the other human being there. That's what I'm talking about. You know, it's interesting. And I think it was our pre-show conversation use the term, sometimes you have to slow down to go faster. That's right. And uh, it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, I think if any, if any time you're struggling with performance with your teams, take a look at the difference between effective and efficient and let, let that help you guide you on this be human thing I'm saying. Cool. Mark, I want to thank you as a guest. I want to thank our listeners. Without you, we have no show. I truly appreciate you. I also want to thank the C-Suite for all their help and support. Everyone have a great day. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Total Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Total makes effective training easier. Just go to Tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's Tortal.net. T-O-R-T-A-L. Tortal.net. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.